All right, kids can be dismissed to celebrate kids. Have a good time. Step two, good morning. Good morning. I have in my notes that the congregation enthusiastically responds in their best English accent. So let's try again. Good morning. Wow, that was pretty good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was waiting for top of the morning to Is that what you said? Okay, thank you. Now we're, my notes are done. We can move on. Um, this is a disclaimer. I am just the youth pastor, so if this is your first Sunday, you can come back. And I actually, I'm one of three youth pastors on staff, so I'm not even the guy. I'm one of three. My name is Matt. Uh, I've been here for about four years and uh, doing worship and helping with youth stuff, and I am nervous and excited for this morning. So thanks for being here again. Thanks for being online and, and tuning in. I'm going to read our passage for this morning. It's out of Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we've been going through the same passage each week um, this year. Is that how long the series? About this year? Yeah. And um, we're studying the early church and there's something... we're. The way we're talking about it, there's something specifically in Acts 2.42, the first verse, if you want to pull that up. Um, there's a few things that they're doing that we're trying to kind of talk about, emulate. There's apostles' teaching, there's fellowship, the koinonia that Andrew's been talking about. There's the breaking of bread, which is just sharing a meal together, but also communion and to prayer. So this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. Um, I get most excited about this. I'm going to tie it to worship, too, because in verse... 47, it said praising, so I'm, I'm talking about worship. Um, but I think it's related because this is the part where we get to commune with the Lord and, and not just like take communion. I mean that we live in community with the Lord, that we can know him in that way. And so um, it connects us to Jesus. Um, we, because we, we gather and we actually hit a lot of these criteria elsewhere. Um, we, I mean, we send our kids to school every day, and there's teach. It's not the apostles teach, but there's teaching, there's fellowship, they're eating together. There are social and academic gatherings that that we go to, or we're discussing um, the latest findings. Or we, I don't, I'm not invited to those conferences, but some of you may be um, solving all the world's problems, and they're checking a lot of these boxes. And uh, some of you are going to gather tonight for a big game, and and there's going to be. All of these things, maybe minus. I know the Chiefs fans are praying tonight. So, um, there's, yeah, there's, we we gather quite a bit. And so, um, side note, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus was such a big deal to us that we talked about him at our Super Bowl parties tonight? I'm moving on. Um, Other religions check this box pretty well too. Actually, it's just not the apostles' teaching, and and that leads us to the main distinction between. What we're doing here this morning and in every other kind of gathering is that there's a living God. His name is Jesus. Um, 
no other God lives, no other God sees or hears or speaks or acts. And this living God actually responds to the prayers that we bring him, and he responds and, and covets our worship. It's a vibrant, active connection with a living God. Um, supernatural, actually. So verse 43, if we can pull that up, it says, everyone was filled with awe. Uh, and the signs and wonders performed by the... Everyone was filled with awe. Um, there was obviously something supernatural happening among the people that they are filled with awe. Um, and I, it manifested through, like there's something supernatural, it manifested through different signs and wonders, but I want to gather with you guys on Sunday and, and throughout the week and to know that it'd be obvious that there's an active living God among us. I long for that. And I, I wonder, I, I think it's time for us to be in awe again. And I think many of us are, are there. So maybe I'm just talking to myself. But I think it's time to be in awe again. We are worshiping the same God as the people of Acts. God did not change from that point to this point. So I wonder if, why or if maybe there even is a difference between their experience of church and our experience. I think awe is maybe a part of that. And so... Um, I think they just saw him. And so in order to see him, we got to look, um, and we want to see him rightly. A verse that I've been led to this week is Psalm 27, verse 8. This is actually the ESV version. It's different than the NIV. I don't know why. I didn't, I'm not, I didn't get a degree for that. But it says, you have said, seek my face. It's the Lord talking to David. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And there's something here about the Lord initiating that he's saying, seek my face. And then we're like, oh, your face, I'm going to seek. And, um, and I don't, there's a bunny trail there. I don't, I don't know that I want to go down. But you're here this morning. There is something about church or maybe your friend pulled you along or, or this has been your thing and you're, you're in and all in for Jesus. There is something um, calling you, drawing you to the Lord, and you are responding in being here by saying, your face, Lord, do I seek. And I think it's a good start. And so we're going to seek his face this morning. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it through prayer and worship. And uh, sound good? Amen? Cool. Uh, we're going to start with prayer. And I, whenever we, we talk about prayer a lot here, which I, I love, um, but there's Still, when I talk to people about prayer or you're in a group and it's like somebody should pray for this meal and people still get like, oh, I don't want to do that. And, and we, we feel like we're not good enough to pray or we, we feel like we're not a good enough kind of Christian to go to a prayer thing. Like we have Wednesday nights where we worship and pray and, and that's, that's really about it. We, we have like our students have a Monday morning gathering where we're praying to get like, but you think like, well, I mean, I'm just not like that good of a Christian. I couldn't show up to that. I would look like a fool. I don't know what I'd do. I have a very pastoral, very shepherding thing to say to you, and I wrote it out so that you, I wouldn't like mince my words. So could you just pull up that slide? Stop it, okay? <laughs> Andrew is a pastor. He'll pastor you. I'm just your friend. I'm going to say stop it. You are, if you believe, if you're breathing and you a little bit believe in or are curious about Jesus, prayer is for you. There's no substitute for it. It's the connection with Jesus that makes us different than any other kind of gathering. And so um, you can take that down. 
It's a pretty negative image to just leave out there. But, um, I get to do this a lot throughout my week. It's one of my, my favorite parts about my job. It's kind of funny, actually, this is a side note, that I've, I still get asked sometimes, like, what, so what do you do? Like, oh, I, I lead worship. Well, I know you do that on Sundays, but what's your job? And I'm like, this is my, this is my job. I, I hang out with our high school. Anyway, um, I, I have a pretty, my favorite thing that I get to do is Monday morning prayer, and it's just for our students. And there's like, it's Lauren and I and three to five students, and I show up on Monday mornings, I'm pretty drained because I had Sunday morning and then we do youth group on Sunday nights. And, and so I show up with zero energy and zero ideas, but we come together in the first half hour, I just throw music on and we just spend time with the Lord. So kids have, kids, students have their Bibles out, they're journaling, they're praying, and I am trying to do that. I'm trying to wake up still. And I'm amazed at how often that half hour half hour will go by and I feel totally blank. Like I didn't have anything. Like how am I going to lead these students? I feel like I'm not really hearing from the Lord. And then I'll just ask like, well, what was sticking out to you guys? What, what do you feel like the Lord's saying this morning? What were you reading or journaling about? And more often than not, one of the students will share this really profound picture or this really profound passage that they were in. And it's the Holy Spirit is just like, that's for you. Like in me, it just like, there's a, it resonates in me. I'm like, oh, I needed that from you today. But I wouldn't have had that unless I was gathering with people to pray. And I think some of us are discouraged in our prayer lives because we just feel blank. You feel like you're going to the Lord and you just hear static. Well, pray with other people. Other people hear from the Lord and it could be for you. And there's no shame in that. And it's not like a, a pride thing. Like, so I actually get rid of pride. Let's go pray with other people so we can hear from the Lord together. And uh, it's like these... These moments in, that happen Monday morning regularly, um, that one of the students is like, oh, I was reading in like Jeremiah or something random like that, and another student's like, oh yeah, I was also in Jeremiah, and they just like, like I was hearing this, and they're like, well, I was hearing this, and it's like God has, he has drawn a picture, and each piece of, person is bringing a piece of the puzzle to the picture, and it's so clear, and I'm just sitting there nodding like, I'm good enough to lead you. Like, you guys, they have it figured out. They're hearing from the Lord through Scripture, and, and um, just in prayer, they're getting, like, images and words, and really, really powerful. Um, there was something, like, a month ago that, that came up where I was kind of participating in one of those really cool connections. Um, I just had something about the joy of the Lord. So there's a, a prophecy in the Psalms about Jesus that says that my servant will be set apart with the oil of gladness more than any other. Like that's what would distinguish Jesus from everyone else is that he would be set apart with the oil of gladness more than any other. And that, so it's for Jesus and it's also for the rest of us that come after him. But it's like, man, gladness feels like a lot of work sometimes. And so I was just thinking about this, like I, joy feels like a lot of work. I don't know what to do with this, but I feel like we're supposed to be glad, but I know it's not just like an effort thing. And then, so I hadn't shared that yet. We get to sharing with everybody else, and uh, one of the students goes, I just had this really cool picture of God like handing people presents of gladness, of joy. Like it's not going to be because we try it. He's just going to give it to people, and they're going to be glad. And that was like, I'm blown away by that, I, I love when the Holy Spirit 
confirms things like that. So I'm still talking about it a month later, and this student is like moved on. Like I bring it up with her, like, remember that time when the Lord spoke to us? And she's like, yeah, that was a normal Monday for me, Matt. Like, um, it was profound, it was beautiful, and she gets it, and she's moved on, and I'm still like trying to uh, figure out what it all means. And um, I think God speaks to us as individuals, and so, but I, it's amplified with other people. So if you're struggling with, if you're, if you're doing really well in prayer, pray, we gather to pray with other people. It's what, what we want to do when we come here. It's what we want to do outside of the walls. And so um, I'm going to move into worship just a little bit. We're going to seek his face. Um, like the psalm said earlier, we're going to seek his face in, in prayer. Uh, we're going to seek it in worship um, because he's the main thing. And so... Uh, yeah, verse 47 is the one that mentions that praising God is just like a part of their culture. And so I want it to be true for us too. The, um, uh, the Apostle Paul encourages us to greet each other with spiritual songs and hymns. And I don't, it's been a while since one of you like came up to me and just started singing a worship song to me to greet me. So I expect that after this. But um, it's just a part of, of who we're meant to be. Um, and I am a worship leader, so I get excited to talk about it. But um, I'm finding, like, there are songs that are about the things of God. Um, there are songs about the Holy Spirit, who is God, as Jesus is God, as the Father is God. And when I went to college, I had not really learned much about the Holy Spirit, so I was fascinated by him in that way, that he would come and dwell among us, that he would live within us, that he could rest upon us in some way. And so I was obsessed with that. A lot of the songs that I would sing and still sing are about, like, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Um, The Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. And and I spent a lot of time um, singing about that and, and praying about that. And a lot of really amazing things happened. But I'm finding now, just, just a personal thing, now if I'm worshiping on my own or in a group of people and I start singing some of those songs, it'll take like a half hour or so. Um, it's not a science. It's just, it takes longer for me to like start to notice that he's present. And I've been singing about it for a half hour, praying, praying about it for a half hour. It takes me a while to know that he's present. And then lately, I can sing a song There is none like you. You alone are worthy of all honor and praise. There's no other name. And we just sing Jesus' name over and over again. And what took me a half hour to become aware of his presence now takes like three minutes. There's something about just Jesus. Like if I'm focusing on just Jesus, all of the things that I would sing and pray about the Holy Spirit doing start happening because he's the center of attention. Jesus is the person that the Holy Spirit wants to talk about. And so Jesus is the center of our gathering. This is how we do it. And um, yeah, I, um, we have this, this imagery uh, that we've kind of, I mean, it's, it's from the Bible. It's not just like our own thing. But it keeps coming up at our upper room worship gatherings. Uh, and it's about like the throne of God and it's about living water. And so I'm just going to walk through this really quickly. If you're taking notes, you can write down the passages. I don't have them up. But um, Ezekiel 47, um, Ezekiel is in this vision um, with a man who is, I think is 
Jesus in the vision. And so there's the temple. And in the Old Testament, the temple is where God's presence was, where God's presence came down, and he was going to meet with his people in this place. This is where he dwelled. And from the temple, uh, the man showed Ezekiel that there's this water trickling out from, from the temple, and it flows down, and it turns into this massive river. And along the river, it shoots up like trees, and they start bearing fruit in each season, and their, their leaves bring healing to the nations. And um, it just creates life, this river of life. And it runs into the Dead Sea, which is so salty that nothing can live there, and it turns the Dead Sea into fresh water. And, and so life... Um, abounds in this place where the, wherever the river flows. And um, then in Revelation 22, there's a very similar concept where um, verses 1 through 5, there is the throne of God, the throne of God and of the Lamb. And from the throne of God, from the foot of it, flows a river, the river of life, and the tree of life spans both sides of it, and its fruit bears in each season, and the leaves bring healing to the nation. So it's like the same thing, and there's, it runs down the middle of the, the heavenly city. This is the river of life. It flows from the foot of the throne of God. Um, John 37, Jesus actually says, whoever believes in me, scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. So living water flows from the foot of the throne of God. What would it mean then that living water starts flowing from within me? And I think when we think about corporately in our gathering, I say this all the time. So if you've heard me say it, good, because I'm going to keep saying it. Psalm 22, verse 3, yet you are holy, Lord, enthroned upon the praises of his people. Enthroned, we're building a throne with our praise. That's why when we're worshiping, you get a little misty-eyed and they start feeling things and things are getting deep. It's because when we worship him, when we bring ourselves to worship the true king, true Jesus, we worship him, we are building a place where his throne now exists and there is living water that flows. And it's, it's the living water, it's the presence of God, it's the life of God, it, it is blessing that flows from wherever he is enthroned, that thing starts to happen. And I wonder... And this might just be for me, really. If we can worship the river and miss the one who sits on the throne. We are all enjoying the things of God. This gathering, we enjoy the music. We enjoy Andrew's teaching, or Judd's teaching, Aubrey's teaching. Ali's, I, don't, I started a list. I feel like I have to say everybody. You, you know what I mean. Um, we enjoy here together the things of God. And it is good. It's, it's here because he exists. I mean, it's here because he is on the throne and, and it, that stuff is happening. Um, but what I want to suggest, maybe question this, is it possible to come and enjoy the things of God and miss Jesus? Like, you could have an emotional experience in a song um, your mind could be elevated by the poetry and the melody of, of the music. You could passionately agree with every word that's coming from the pulpit. There is no substitute for a connection with Jesus. He's just real. So it's not like we come and do all these things and hope it all adds up into a connection to Jesus. It's just knowing him. So let's seek his face is such a weird 
thing for me to wrap my head around because I can't physically see God. So it feels like an impossible task, but there is something about that close to close. If you're seeking his face, that means your face is also turned towards him. And our attention is on him. Um, And I think that is worth more than anything else. Um, Philippians 3.8, as Paul just gets done in this passage, he's listing all of the impressive things that he's accomplished, his education and religious excellence and all the things that qualify him for respect and admiration, and this is what he says. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain God, Christ. In the King James, it actually says dung instead of garbage. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I mean, like I said, church can be great. Sermons can be great. You can be engaged intellectually, emotionally, in all the levels. You can have vital human connection. Vital, like we need to be connected to each other. And you can feel morally good about um, for discussing and doing more good things than we do bad things. And just do you know him? There's, there's no substitute for this. And I, I'm coming into this week like really guilty. I, I elevate the things of God sometimes. I, so when I was in college, um, like I said again, I was, I was really fascinated by the Holy Spirit, that he was real, that we could interact with him. And um, I had friends around me that started receiving really cool spiritual gifts. And it was cool that I, I saw them operating in these gifts, and I went, God is real, which is a really good fruit. Um, but I started then seeking, I wanted the spiritual gifts. I wanted the spiritual gifts. It's a good thing. Second uh, Corinthians says it, to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And I, but I, my pursuit of that became um, bigger than my pursuit of Jesus. And I wanted to have encounters with them. I wanted to to do all those things, and I would ask the Lord, like, what do you say about this? What do you say about this? And I wanted a specific answer, but all I kept hearing was, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I, <laughs> being stubborn, was like, I, I know. I get it. I want this. I want this thing. And how heartbreaking of a thing that Jesus, the, the, the Jesus, just, just him was saying to me, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I missed it. I missed it because I wanted the things of God and, um, instead of just him. And um, Even this week, oh, this week, I was anxious and depressed all week for the same reason because I was so eager and felt the pressure to have something to share with you this morning that my whole week is a living example of how to do this poorly. I wanted to have the best word. I wanted everybody to feel encouraged and lifted up. And, and I was approaching God transactionally. And I wonder if I'm not the only one who does that. And I say that as humbly as I can, because that's what I did all week. I approached God transactionally. We come to church transactionally. We check the box. I do this thing for you, God. I show up, and then you, you do good things in my life, and, and, and you make me happy, and this is... And, and we approach God transactionally. And it changed how I interacted with the people around me, too. If that's how I was approaching God. That's how I approached other people all week. I wasn't actually connecting with them. It was all transactions for, for some end goal that I would be either working on the sermon or at rest or at peace from the anxiety that I was feeling. And, um, so 
we're here this morning. There are the things of God very present. Man, as we were worshiping this, I don't know, I, I felt like he was, he was here. I just did. And, but, so the things of God are present. Are we connecting to Jesus? Like, is it going to be okay the Sundays where we go a little longer and worship? Because he's present in a way that we just can't move on. And uh, so we seek him. I don't want to be clear, too. Jesus isn't, like, hiding somewhere here, like, hoping that only a few will find him. Like, he wants to be found. And so when I say seek his face, I, I feel and I see people get discouraged because they're like, I don't know how to do that. But um, we are talking about Jesus, who is the one moved by compassion, moved by love. He left heaven and became a man so that you would know him. He lived without sin. He um, perfectly revealed who God the Father is. He was falsely accused and yet gave himself over as a sacrifice with a pure, clean slate so that he could take the punishment for all of our sin and all of our shortcomings upon himself. He was beaten so badly that you couldn't recognize who he was. He died and was buried for three days. And then he rose again in victory over sin and even death itself. He ascended to heaven so that Jesus could send his spirit to reveal himself to all who would believe in him. Death could not stand in the way of Jesus wanting you to know him. He has gone great lengths for us to know him. And he's whispering to our hearts to seek his face. So I want to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, I just want to fix our eyes on him as a community, if I can. And I actually want to do it as a community. And so, oh, some people don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to turn in groups, try to connect with somebody who you didn't come with today, but if, if... that's all you're around and that's all you talk about. That's, that's totally fine. I want you to just talk about for a second. When I say seek his face, when the Bible says seek his face, it feels vague. We can't physically see him. So what, what do we mean? What does that mean to you? I guess how do you know how, how to seek his face? What do you know about that? But yeah, try to turn in groups. Go ahead and do it. If you need to get up and find somebody great, try to make sure nobody's just left on their own. Um, unless they don't want, then you just put up an X if you're so introverted. <laughs> what does it mean to seek his face?
I, I wanna, sorry, I hate to kill conversation about the Lord, but I'm gonna draw us back in. I, it seems like everybody had at least a little something to say, and if you didn't, then you just learned from somebody else. And uh, I just, are we doing what we know how to do? If seeking his face feels like something that's unattainable, I just, like, do you, are we doing what we already know how to do? If, if it's worship, if it's prayer, if it's going on walks outside, if whatever, it, like, he is worth it. He's there to be found. And so I, uh, we may just wait a second, and I'm going to pray or maybe sing. I don't know yet. But in the Old Testament, um, they would offer up sacrifices of worship, uh, and they would bring it on an altar, and it would be burned. And, and now, we are the living sacrifices, and it's our worship to him. And I just feel like there's an altar wherever you're sitting, for, for me right here. And instead of bringing something else to, to put on the altar, I just want to lay on it. I want to burn for you, God. Can we, can we do that together? Maybe, maybe this is not where you're at this morning. That's totally fine. But just for a second, would you just join me? We're just going to turn our affection towards him. So just close your eyes and maybe open your hands. Or take a posture of worship. It's all about you, Jesus. God, we want to burn for you. You can have our attention. You can have our affection. Jesus, where you're enthroned is where your kingdom exists and all the things that come with it. But this morning, we're after you, Jesus, that you would have the throne of this gathering, of this church, that you would have the throne of our community, of Knoxville and Pleasantville and Pella and Melcher and Monroe. Jesus, You are the one who sits on the throne and the heavenly beings who were created for heaven, created for worship, hide their face because of your glory and your brilliance. They can't even look at you and that's what they were made for. And yet you say to our hearts this morning, seek my face. So we say together, your face do we seek. Oh, just you, Lord. Oh, just you, Lord. I'm coming back to heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. 
It's all about you. Sing that to him. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it when it's all about you. It's all about you. Jesus. There is none like you. You alone are worthy of all honor and praise. There's no other name. The center, Jesus. There is none like you. You alone are worthy of all honor and praise. There's no other name. It's just you, Jesus. Would you remove anything else that has taken first place? Anything else that has taken your rightful place in the throne of our heart? Just you, Jesus. Let our hearts burn for you. Let our hearts return to you. I have an invitation for those who uh, are here this morning and maybe they've, they've done the church thing for a while or maybe you're, you're new here and, and you, but you just want to know who Jesus is. We just want to know him like he's available to be known. And so if that's you, would you open your your arms like this and just take a risk? Everybody else's eyes are closed. It's totally fine. If you want Jesus, would you open your arms? And just pray after me in your heart. Jesus, I must know you. There is no one else. I must know you. There is nothing else. Lord, we would leave everything behind to know you. All sin and evil and even good things that we've elevated to take your place, we leave them behind for you, Jesus. We invite you in, Lord. Come rest on your throne in our hearts this morning. Amen. Would you stand? Let's give our best to the Lord and worship.